0: Welcome back, you guys, family members, brothers, sisters, people from any part of the world. Really value your presence. Thanks for being here. Uh, my connection, as you may have noticed, is uh, audio only again. Hopefully back to normal next week, but uh, that's how it is right now, so I apologize. Uh, we're here with our friend, Dr. Gabriel Cousins, MD, and we're going to discuss kind of some follow-up material from our br- very brief uh, discussion of what's going on in the Middle East as it applies to humanity worldwide. So welcome, Dr. Cousins, and let's get into it in our quick time here.
1: Okay, Richard, thank you. So we, particularly in these times, it's very important that we start with a little spiritual joy and dance, because it's too easy just to get into misery and sadness, and when we hit the spiritual joy, we're able to think more clearly and uplift our spirits for the whole picture. So we're going to start with a little bit of dance. Then we'll do a little bit of meditation. Um, for those who are tuned in, the uh, meditation technique, if you don't have your own, if you choose, is the uh, the, the the name of God that Moses received at the burning bush. Yod on the in-breath, hey, on the out-breath. Wah on the in-breath, hey, on the out-breath. Yod from the base, up to the heart, and then hey, out to the heart. Wa from the base of the third eye, and then hey, out to the heart. Okay, so we just do that until your mind's quiet. So we'll meditate for a few minutes. So let's start with a little bit of dance to get that spiritual joy going and these difficult times you know this is none of this is so easy for anyone in any direction. doing good. <sighs> Got warm here. Okay, let's go into meditation. Just focus on the energy from my eyes for a minute. You. slowly come out of meditation. And I'm going to do a little bit of kind of a a review of things Um, to kind of understand what's going on. You know, we maybe do it each week. I don't know how long this is going to go on. But this struggle has gone on or, in a certain way, 3,600 years now. The, the truth is the Arabs weren't involved until about the 1920s. But uh, the struggle over this land has gone on with the Romans and the Greeks and the Babylonians, and it's just constant struggle. And why? Well, it's a very high-energy place, and the Temple Mount is very high energy. So there has been constant struggle going on, um, skip fast forward a little bit, that, that really it wasn't until the 1920s when the Arab population came in. Now please understand there's no Palestinian, and I'll I'm gonna explain that in just a second. We have Arabs who were brought in to help with the agriculture and help with uh, in a sense uh, moving it from a desert to a very abundant place. Everybody worked very, very hard. And occasionally there would be the uprising, but there was actually a significant alliance between the Arabs and Jews. And now that's been uh, polarized, but it's not the way it. Yes, there were Arab pogroms in the 1920s, 1930s, you know, and when Israel became a nation in 1947, 48, it declared itself a nation, all the Arab countries attacked, okay? But I can give you all kinds of quotes, which I'm not going to right now, saying the how the Arabs saw the, uh, the Jews as, as, as uh, brothers. But I am going to, um, well, maybe I'll just say something. This is from Sheikh Hussein Muhammad Ali Abu Yosef of the Bedouin tribe. The Bedouins work, uh, do work with the uh, Jews. Our friendship with the Jews goes back to many years. We felt we could trust them and they learned from us too. Um, This is uh, one more quote. I have lots of quotes, but Hazan Bey Shukri President of the Muslim National Association 1921 We do not consider the Jewish people as an enemy whose wish is to crush us. Okay? Okay. On the contrary, we consider the Jews as brotherly people sharing our joys and troubles and helping us in the construction of our common country. And that's kind of the, you know, of the tone, you know, and and that's changed. I'm saying that's where we were for a while. Now, Yasser Arafat, who started the PLO, okay, hopefully most people know who he is, I uh, wrote this, and this was in, uh, I think, 1984. He wrote, The Palestinian people have no national identity. This is the person that founded the PLO. I, Yasser Arafat, man of destiny, will give them that identity through our conflict with Israel. Yes, sir. founder of the PLO. Um, now, another uh, quote from a member of the PLO executive committee. The Palestinian people does not exist. You got to get, these are the leaders who started this thing. And it's like, this doesn't exist. We made it up. Okay? The Palestinian people does not exist. The creation of a Palestinian state is only a means for continuing our struggle against the state of Israel for our Arab unity in reality today there's no difference between Jordanians, Palestinians, Syrians and Lebanese what he's saying is what I just said before we're all Arabs okay the Palestinians are not Philistines who came from the island of Crete they are Arabs who migrated to the area called Palestine, which the whole area was called Palestine. And so if you were Jewish, you were a Palestinian before 1948, and you had a Palestinian passport. So uh, just so we kind of get a little clarity here, only for political and tactical reasons do we speak today about the existence of a Palestinian people. So they're confirming what I'm saying. There has never been a Palestinian people historically. Since Arab and national interests demand that we posit the existence of a st- distinct Palestinian people to oppose Zionism. I would words, we're, this is a political construct. is what he clearly says. Um, and that Zahir Moucher, member of the PLO executive committee, and he said it in 1977. So uh, I'm giving you a little bit of a, a background feeling for people who kind of understand what's going on, you know, uh, and what their intent was. This is a, a political construction. It had no reality on the ground. There were no Palestinians. There were Arabs who had come into the area. And they're not a separate group of people. Uh, So that's one point. Now, this is some other little notes, um, because um, this is uh, just some kind of general historical reality. When people other than Jewish Israelis are victimizing Palestinians – The world cares little at all. Among the many instances when this has been clear was in 1991, uh, after the first Gulf War, Kuwaiti's wholesale assault on the sizable Palestinian community for having allegedly collaborated with the occupying Iraqis. Despite the mass arrests, beatings and torture, expulsions and killings by Kuwaitis themselves, and more systematically by state security forces, the world barely took notice. Okay, As of May 2013, Palestinian sources in the United Nations reported that various Syrian forces, this is Syria, now, is separate, have killed more than 2,000 Palestinians and driven close to 300,000 from their homes. This is the uh, UNRWA, the UN release. Uh, this release of the calamity was completely ignored by the world media. Yet, about this real murderous and elimination onslaught against Palestinians, there's barely been a peep from the Europeans or the international community. Indeed, as there have been around half a million Palestinians living in Syria, this means that perhaps 60% of all Palestinians in the country, have been victims of these mass elimination assaults. Okay, so we're saying other Arab countries are, are doing this. That's like 60% victimized. Proportionally, it would be as if Israel were to expel two and a half million Palestinians from the West Bank and Gaza. During the Syrian conflict two years, the Palestinians have suffered a yearly... Casualty rate that's approximately twelve times higher than the yearly casualty rate of Palestinians living in the West Bank of Gaza. So, um, what you're hearing is is the Palestinians aren't so popular. They're they're the probably the most prejudiced against group in the whole area. They're not wanted by any of them, and so it's no accident when you hear no country will accept them because when they go in the countries, they try to take over. Um, this is Lebanon. This is Jordan where there's a, a, a clear Palestinian almost a, a successful revolution. And it's, uh, well, Saudi Arabia has the feelings. So what's the point? The point is that they have a rough history. Uh, I certainly don't envy them this group of of people who kind of have moved around in different ways and places. Now, getting to the immediate situation, it's all very, very unfortunate, and there are big forces involved. So I just want to kind of say that. You know, it's easy to point fingers, but I think Israel and the Gazans are are, – are being used uh, for part of a bigger worldwide kind of confrontation uh, that we're going to see unfold. It's already unfolding uh, worldwide, throughout the world. Um, and this is just the first part of the interface between the West and uh, I'm going to say Muslim world, because there are big players in it, but we don't exclude China and Russia, even though they're having Muslims kind of have periodically acted out against them. So that, that's kind of an overview of the situation. Now, what also... I'm just going to talk because I live here in Israel. Israel is is like one big post-traumatic stress syndrome, you know, dating back to Hitler. So uh, that's a lot of the local discussion among people. I think this is the worst since the Holocaust, but it's trauma and the pogroms. And most of the people who have been here you know, their parents or grandparents were, you know, suffered and survived the pogroms uh, in Russia and Poland and so forth. So there, this literally brings up a lot of trauma for people. That doesn't seem to be discussed very much. I mean, it does, but not in the newspapers. Uh, people are actually traumatized. I think I... I one note, some it. it's like one big post-traumatic stress syndrome. <clears throat> so there's a lot of feelings about that. So what happened on October 7th, you know, seriously activated. Now, I can't tell you exactly what Hamas was thinking, but I think that was part of the point, okay? Um, and they also... Many of them had three days' supply, and the plan was, which I've heard now for more than a few days in different sources, is that we're going to break through and go into Judea-Samaria, which isn't all that far away. It's very small. Everything's very small. We're talking 10, 15 miles away. And break through to that and also break through into the cities and terrorize people in the cities. They they had lots of arms, lots of equipment, and they were stopped. Israeli, you know, army kind of stopped it, you know, before that could happen. Uh, Judea Samaria, um, there has been taught consistently by the uh, Hamas type people that they are kind of to try to do a massacre. Of uh, that would be much worse than happened on October 7th. And so there is actual battle going on in – it's not a war. It's not like what we're seeing in Gaza. But there's a real battle going on, and there's been over 700 Hamas arrested. So there's a fighting war there overtly and they've already declared we're at war, we're going to try to kill as many Jews as possible and that brings me to the third point um, besides the post-traumatic stress syndrome Israel's main point as people talk on the street and as in a sense we get from the government because everybody's kind of knows everybody um, Israel's goal you know, uh, on the out front level, not on the subtle planes because there's other stuff going on, is that this is uh, five times since 2005 uh, the people from Gaza have attacked and we've tried to boundary it and say let's land for peace and we'll do this and we'll do that and you know try to make peace. But this kind of pushed everybody's buttons. You know, there's only so far you can go with beheaded babies and women having their pregnant bellies ripped open and, and their babies taken out and beheaded. I mean, there's only so far you do that before people become truly in in uh, seriously enraged but also post-traumatic. Because that's the kind of stuff the Germans did. So... Um, all this is being enacted. It's if they knew they were setting up the energetics of that. Now, it could have been worse because the plans were to go into Judea-Samaria and start a third front because you have um, Hezbollah up, up north, and then you have this in the south, and, and that would be in, in the west, and um, It didn't happen. They were seriously stopped. Now, what we're seeing in Gaza, you know, the uh, the Israeli military will say, you know, we had to do a certain amount, but we've made real effort. I'm just telling you what they're saying. You know, they've opened up two columns of escape, and apparently about 95% of the Gazans have been escorted to safety uh, with Hamas trying to block their access, because if you don't have the uh, civilians there to be buffers and shields, it doesn't, doesn't work so well for you if you're Hamas operative. And, you know, we get kind of very kind of close reports, and they're about ready, I think, to – they already have approached one hospital, but the, the main hospital – where under which, where they put what people believe in the uh, Hamas headquarters, that's kind of like on a fall in a few days, but it's a big battle. There, I said, this is hard for me to believe because I don't know much about that, but 500 miles, excuse me, 500 kilometers of underground tunnels under that region of Gaza, where the hospital is. So uh, everything's kind of a play here. Um, the big story is I think that it's important to understand this is a, a part of a, a bigger world plan um, to create chaos and fear and hate. And um, <clears throat> it's very, very important that we don't get polarized. This is very important. We see what's going on. It's not like we're going to deny any of this. This is this happened. People are traumatized. Obviously, the Palestinians are traumatized. You know, it, uh, it's one big trauma, uh, and it is uh, lays the future's wounds to keep festering. Um, but I think from the Israel point of view, people have had it. And that's part of what it is. And they've done the best they can to minimize civilian uh, damage, which is really difficult when Hamas surrounds us with a civilian shield and tries to block the civilians escaping. Of course, Israel has an investment in getting the civilians out of there, uh, you know, uh, for PR reasons, as well as other things, so there it's a it's a complicated situation, and it's uh, and it's really important that we don't that we're able to see the big picture. And the big picture is this is the first step in creating worldwide chaos and polarization and fighting around the world. So if we keep our center with this in the midst of this, that's the most important thing. So we can help humanity go to another level. So Richard, I'm going to invite you in here.
0: Yeah, really important uh, material that you brought up, Gabriel, and I think it's, you know, two sides. One is to acknowledge the atrocities that have gone on, not just by the Palestinians, but definitely by Israel as well, and the fact that polarization is the wrong path. And You know, I've heard a lot of uh, people talking about how Israel has been victimized and the Palestinians are so evil. But there are also a lot of stories coming out over the last 75 years of mistreatment of Palestinians within what many are calling an open-air prison camp. And I think it's important not to ignore that and not to assume it's all nonsense. You know, it's part of the polarization. And all of this needs to be remedied by something completely outside that paradigm. You know, I'm not in Israel, I'm not in Palestine, so I'm not seeing firsthand what you are. I don't have the same sources and things like that. But my point of view is that it's really simple in a way. Humans have gotten completely off track by being sabotaged by mind programs and polarization and hating each other. And they're so used to that now. We're so used to that that we just want to know who to hate, not whether you're supposed to hate anybody or not. You know, who's the enemy? Who's the bad guy? And who should we kill? Who should we be against? Who is it okay to cheer that they're suffering? And, you know, we've lost touch with our source. We've got all these religions claiming to be in touch with God and hating each other and not realizing that the first sign of any connection with God at all is love for everybody. And I don't see that around very much. And I I think the question is, can we get it back in time to reverse what you're describing is going on in the world?
1: So I'm, I'm going to also say a good side here is, um, you know, in a very real way, you um, the Muslims and the Jews in Israel are living side by side with each other. Right. We go into Ace Hardware, okay? There is Ace Hardware here. Yeah. And you know, all the Albers are, you know, Muslims, and everybody's just really nice. Okay. It's integrated. We go into the health food store, and it's you know, some of them are run by Muslims, and it doesn't matter if you in get there In other words, one. normal. It's normal. Everybody's, yeah. normal. everybody's nice to each other. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. And, you know, in, in different settings, we, you know, people are generally really nice. I'm a little annoyed with this whole thing because now everybody's afraid of each other.
0: Exactly. Yeah. And it's not just in Israel. In America, we're being trained that the Russians are evil. And really, the world peace depends on wiping out the Russians. And some of the people are saying that about the Chinese. And in World War II, we were being taught that the Japanese were subhuman and they all had to be killed or put in camps or whatever. People were hating them. So
1: that's the way they've been doing it for years. What uh, I am saying is, yes, there were obviously some conflicts, but by and large, the everyday Arab Muslim and everyday Jew get along. You know, you walk down the street when it's before Shabbat, and I'll say Shabbat Shalom. And you know, so
0: what made that possible? What? Why was it so nice?
1: Well, first of all, it's the same culture. <laughs> you know, I mean, they we all eat hummus. We all, you know, it's a, so the culture is very similar. Yeah, but different religions. But the food eat is the same, you know, in many ways. Okay. So if you want some hummus, you go to it. Uh, the best hummus is an Arab, you know, hummus. Uh, uh, in other words, there's a lot. Living the, the lifestyle isn't so different. And the Arabs are, are religious, and the Jews are religious, and they can kind of respect that. We do share the Temple Mount and there's there's a respect for that. It's a pretty reasonable place. People try to make trouble, but generally we're all in this thing together and there is in my experience, just on the the ground, everyday interaction, you now kind of it's changed now a little bit, I think. Um you know, people really got along. I mean, just the other day I was in a local shopping center. And, again, everybody's mixing. We're all just walking around and, uh, you know, buying things and doing what we're doing. Not a marketplace, you know, just a
0: small shopping thing.
1: center, so to speak. And I was trying to get some money, and, and uh, somehow the machine wasn't working right. And there was this air lady behind me, and I asked her for some help, and she's trying to help, and then another person came along and helped.
0: It's an ATM ATM machine.
1: Yeah, ATM. It wasn't quite working right. But do you get what I'm saying? This is like two or three days ago.
0: Yeah, this is how it's supposed to be.
1: Yeah, and so what I'm saying is that hasn't been lost. I mean, there was a warmth there as we are all fooling around with this ATM machine. So I don't want people to think besides a kind of a Hamas type of energy that everybody buys that story. Right. Um, the Israeli Arabs generally speaking have a much higher standard of living than any anyone in the Arab world. Okay I mean, unless you're you know from Saudi Arabia and you're part of the royalty. Okay? And they're Part of the judiciary, they're judges. They're part of the Supreme Court. In other words, there's a real integration here. Um, that's important.
0: And they're not those Arabs. Are not Jewish.
1: That's the point I'm making.
0: Yeah, <laughs>
1: <laughs> they're Muslim. Okay, exactly. And people get along. That's what I'm saying. Where I live, there's a mosque, like you know, not too far away, and music goes and people do it. it's like people really generally realize we're just people
0: so you've got the same scriptures in a peaceful area as you do in a war area and the reaction is completely different
1: well yeah but the war as i'm telling you is a little bit i believe more manufactured yeah, I agree. It's people getting hyped up and though they're getting back but this is my belief by you know some of the superpowers to polarize.
0: Divide and conquer.
1: Yeah. But yeah. I'm saying Arabs and Jews have a lot in common. You know, their culture. Their Everybody
0: community. has a lot in common.
1: Yeah, but I'm saying something specific. We have Ishmael, okay? Yeah, now you're saying yeah. Arabs and Jews. Yeah. There's a, there's a genetic connection, okay?
0: Right, and, and yet you've got these two belief systems that if you took it the wrong way, you could take either one of them and say it justifies killing the other one. Yeah. It's done that way in many
1: places. Yeah, but, uh, but people, are doing people honestly aren't so into that. Now, obviously Hamas is... You know, what Hamas has said, and I have lots of quotes like that, I don't have them written, is that we don't care about the land, we don't care about anything except killing Jews. Right. Their leaders have clearly said that. I guess it's public, but it's very public here in Israel. i a, a
0: lot of Americans and Jews saying we have to kill all the Arabs and Palestinians to have peace. Yeah. They're falling for the same thing.
1: But I'm saying this is going on for a while. And the UNRWA, yeah. the United Nations, in, in, in the Arab textbooks of Umrah, it is totally anti-Semitic, seriously anti-Semitic, which includes teaching, killing the Jews. This is UN-sponsored educational system, UNRWA. So it's pretty pervasive. That is not taught in Jewish schools. I would just say it that way,
0: right?
1: You know, but the idea is how to repair it. You know, it's it's repaired in a very simple way of, of people smiling at each other. I don't mean naively. It's like just like me trying to deal with the ATM and this, you know, Arab ladies trying to help, and it's like so. It's like we're all trying to help each other in, in the daily life. You see what I mean?
0: I do, and, and the other point you made about the standard of living, that's very helpful. If people have what they need, and, yes. and they're not starving to death, and they're not worried about you know their life being threatened all the time, it's much more likely that they get along.
1: Yes. Yes. And that's worldwide. And that's true. Now, guys, I'm going to just make a comment. In 2005, the, Israel made a land for peace deal. They took away the homes and farms of 10,000 Jewish people. And Gaza is, was very, very fertile. It is very fertile. And when the Arabs came in, within one day, they had broken up the greenhouses. Was, I mean, there was a huge vegetable production that was going on big you know, and, 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 they, and they turned it into um, shooting rockets and and they had the potential to have very powerful prosperous situation
0: so who was the power behind getting the rocket business going um, us okay
1: And Hamas took a lot of the money that was meant for everyone and went to Hamas. So there's a lot of anger at Hamas by the Palestinians. But if they express it, they get in big trouble.
0: Right. That's a common theme all over the world.
1: Yeah. So we're going to, I think we're going to see some, this is my opinion, some kind of anti-Hamas. There is already a kind of leadership emerging when it's safe to emerge and not get killed.
0: Yes. And there's talk about who is telling Hamas to do that, because Hamas is getting money.
1: That's what I'm making. That's the global powers, in a sense. Hamas is being used, they're being fueled, their hate is being fueled, and so then, then that spreads, and they make money off of that.
0: Have you heard of a banker named Ronald Bernard? Uh, No. This is one of the rare defectors from the higher levels of the banking system uh, that is not your neighborhood teller. And he was taken up and up and up in the ranks because he was very good with money and trading and things like that. And eventually playing a part in funding these foreign groups against each other. And then finally... Uh, you know, he was making tons of money by being willing to go along with that. And they were really pleased with him and invited him to come to start coming to child sacrifices. And that's when he got out. And he almost got killed getting out because you're not supposed to do that.
1: Actually, um, I I did hear about him. I just didn't did say Yes.
0: Yeah, that's him. And but, that, that people like that fund Hamas and the internal governments of all of our countries to. Right. Kill people and do wars and have huge arms industries and things like that. They make money on both sides.
1: Yeah, but more than money, because these people have lots of money. It's, oh,
0: yeah.
1: It's power and it's control. And that's what we're looking at. This is Dubai. Above, Dubai, above that, it's destruction
0: and, and suffering. Yeah. Power and control is above money. Suffering and evil is above power and control.
1: You're right, because it is very dark forces behind us yeah. who, who are energized by suffering and evil.
0: That's our challenge.
1: Yeah. Um, and I've written about it. My position is how do we get people to understand that that suffering power you know, and misery that they're creating, they only get a little bit of a hit, a dopamine hit with that or endorphin hit. But when you're really doing good things and you're projecting love and, you know, you're you're having heart connections with people, it's a more continuous dopamine, um, endorphin kind of experience. So it's actually much more fun to be nice versus uh, pathologically exploiting people. They haven't figured that secret out yet, but hopefully they'll get that
0: you know uh, you know the old analogy with <clears throat> crab fishing where the crab fisherman is on the pier putting the crabs in the bucket before taking them home to eat them and when one crab gets the idea you know maybe we should climb out of this bucket before we get eaten and they start climbing out and all the other crabs pull them back into the bucket and I think that happens uh, with the people on the dark side
1: Yes. You have to be very bold, uh, courageous. they got to be willing to die, or you know, leave or die. Generally speaking, without getting too much about the dark coat, once you're in, uh, you, you usually get killed when you try to get out.
0: Yeah, and, you know, once you that's understand... Those
1: are the game plan. Those are the, those are the rules. That that's you, right. Yeah.
0: yeah, it would be very bad for PR to let everybody get out and start talking.
1: Yeah. So. so, where do we go with this? Is bringing people into the positive experience of positive humor and interaction, of uplifting each other, and on the neurotransmitter level, we're talking about increasing the dopamine and you know uh, the, the different uh, neurotransmitters that bring uh, pleasure and joy. And it's a much nicer way to live. And that's really what we have to offer. And somehow we have to get that suited to people, um, who, who are working, who are getting their hits from being on the dark side. But they're temporary hits. Right. So that's our task. You know, that's where meditation is important. That's by doing, um, Nice, positive, collective things, that kind
0: of thing. Yeah, and being nice to people that don't deserve it.
1: Well, I think everybody deserves being nice, too.
0: Well, I do, do too, but I I didn't say that correctly. I mean, if you be nice to somebody because they did something nice to you, that, you know, that's... Yes, I understand
1: understand what you're saying. Unconditional niceness.
0: The next step, you know, Yes. Get it strong enough in yourself, so you're not doing it to get some elicit some response as a,
1: as a business exchange, but as, yeah, a, you're not doing it
0: exchange. for that reason. You're doing it because that's who
1: you are. Yeah. So that's where we need to go, and the potential, in a way, is like in the Middle East is you know for. Jewish Israelis and Arab Israelis to make, you know, just make an effort to really be nice. And not get caught in the polarity. I think that's the important thing. Where Hamas, in Hebrew, Hamas means violent and evil. And in the Noah story, in the actual Hebrew, it said the people were Hamas. Uh, Before the flood. They were involved in evil and, you know, meanness to each other. That was literally the word Hamas was used. Evil Hamas is what it said in Hebrew. So that will give you an idea that this is not a new idea.
0: And it's coming ultimately from the same places you talked about. You yes. know, the, the bankers who are playing chess with the world and making everybody hate hate somebody so that they can keep the fighting going until we're all eliminated. They're right. the ones funding the inside of the, all these powerful governments and of Hamas.
1: Yeah, and Israel too.
0: And Israel and the U.S. Yeah. And all these countries.
1: So that's what we're dealing with. And our job is to remember the truth and not get caught in these polarities or kind of political polarities and understand our oneness. Right. We do that meditation that we do with feeling their heart connection with each other.
0: What I'd like to see is everybody reaching out, not only to people in your own group, but that's good for a start, but then to everybody else. And, for example, all of our governments are moving toward arresting dissenters and dissenters are it, to include anybody who's nice to the wrong people so anybody who says something good about the russian people in america is can be targeted the same way and in israel we just saw a video of a palestinian housekeeper who was getting along with the israelis just fine and she said that she supported somebody in palestine and she's now been arrested by the israeli police And what I would like to see is some way that, for example, in America, what this would be is talking to the Russian people. I mean, it's almost illegal in America, but exposing the fact that the Russians are humans and people from every country. And I think part of it also is being careful of our language. You know, we hear a lot of people, even on great news shows, saying, well, we did this, and we did this horrible... No, we didn't. The government did that. The rulers did that. We don't have to go along with it. We can realize that we're all family members and start acting like it. It would change the world.
1: I, I think it's... I. We totally agree here. So, that's our task. Is to remember we're all one family. We're all one. And... We save the planet by acting with that awareness. So may everyone be blessed that we are able to hold that awareness and develop that awareness and hold it, and as a result, peace prevails on Earth.
0: Yeah, Amen. Thank you, Gabriel. Uh, I know we went a little bit over the t- tonight, but I think it's really important. And yeah. uh, I think it's so simple, you know. It's like all the core of any real religious or spiritual teaching is love each other. Be nice to people. Don't, don't just be in a business relationship. You have the ability to involve, be involved in a different kind of love, which is not like the romantic kind where you think somebody's beautiful and really cool and admire them and all that. It's just a gift that you have to give to anybody and everybody and the more you give it out without limits the more flows back into you and it gets higher and higher and higher and i think that's where we're going so anyway i guess we'll wrap it up and um dr cousins programs are at drcousins.com and treeoflife.mn.co, and we're also involved in planetary healing club and i'm inviting people to get back there. I've been struggling to come back to life for a while, and there are signs of that happening now. And we're at lostartsradio.com as well. And the main message is humanity's under attack. You don't win it by falling into that paradigm and hating each other. We're one family, and when we have that consciousness and nobody is receptive to following the orders of evil rulers, then uh, they'll order war- wars to happen and nobody will show up, and things will get better. So we can start today, and I invite people to do that. Thank you, Gabriel. And look thank you,
1: Richard. To- yes. Very good. And thank you, Doug. Yes,
0: absolutely. Thank this you. is possible because of Doug's work, Doug Diamond, diamonddiscaudio.com.
1: Okay, peace be with everyone.
0: See you next time.